Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Psalms 92. Psalms 92. Are you enjoying worshiping together this morning? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it's been a full day <laughs> already. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 92. I'm going to pick up where we left off last week about being planted in the house of the Lord. We're, for those who have not caught on yet or maybe are new, we've been in a series called Multiply. And uh, hopefully you've gotten the book and you're reading along with us, the Francis Chan's book, Multiply. It's a great book. I would encourage you to get it. But it's taking a look. We're taking a look at discipleship and what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So the first week we talked about what is a disciple, that we are lifelong learners and followers. We're pilgrims and not tourists. We're on a lifelong journey. Amen. And then we talked about the command to make disciples, that each of us have been given a command to make disciples. We talked about the heart of a disciple maker, that our motive is out of love. And then we talked about life in the church, that the, the church is a place of life. It's a place of unity. It's a place where we're encouraged. We, we encourage one another. We celebrate together. We fight for one another. Amen. Amen. And then Last week, we started taking a look at the, the local church and what it meant to be planted in the local church. And so today, we're going to jump in and take a look at the local church. And, and hopefully, over the past week, you've been, you've been changing your perspective maybe a little bit and, and diving in and, and capturing again the beauty of the local church. Yeah. Well, one of you has. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I shared last week, I talked about how on, on the wedding day, I saw Heather coming down the aisle and, and how I was captured with her beauty as she was coming down the aisle and couldn't, couldn't contain myself, started, found myself crying, you know, on the stage as we're waiting and her dad's bringing her down the, down the aisle. That kind of being captured again with that kind of beauty, being captured again with the beauty of the church, the local church. You know, the local church is more, we talked about this a lot last week, the, the local church is more than just the local shopping place where you can go and, well, I, I, want, I want this in my church, I want that in my church, I, I want to, you know, and we, we just find the perfect church, right, that we want to attend. It's, it's finding the place where God has planted you, and God has planted you at Celebration Church for this time and this season, it's your place, your greenhouse, where you can begin to flourish in the courts of our God. So let's pick up in Psalms 92, verse 12. It says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Amen. We looked. We took a look at last. We took a look last week at different scriptures. What the scripture has to say about the local church and 
what it means to be planted. Let me recap. Being planted is to take root. It means having stability. It's a place where you are fixed. It's a place where, where you have a specified location where you're to be. It's a place where you allow your roots to go down and you germinate. Are you allowing your roots to go down into the ground at Celebration Church? Are you germinating in the house of the Lord? Are you producing spiritual fruit in the house of God? Being planted in Scripture, the verses in Scripture that talk about being planted talk about being fruitful. That the tree is not affected by the heat of the sun. That there's prosperity. There's abundance. We learn to abide. We're fixed. It's a place of refuge. You are the oaks of righteousness. What does Isaiah say? The planting of the Lord. You are God's planting in his house. God planted you in this church. You're planted in the house of the Lord. So I want to take a look at these letters. P-L-A-N-T-E-D. Planted. And give you, I forget what these things are called, an acrostic, is that what they're called? Give you a, a what are those, those things for planted to help you understand being planted in the house of the Lord. P, there's protection in the house of the Lord. There's protection in being planted. You know, if you take, if you take a tree or a plant and you just lay it, not rooted in anything, you just put it on top of the ground, what's going to happen to that, that plant. It's going to die. It's going to shrivel up and die because it's not rooted. It's not protected. It's not planted in the ground. So there is, there is power in being planted. There's protection coming under the spiritual leadership that God's placed you in. Well, I'm glad you're so excited about that. There is protection for you being planted and rooted in this house. Yes. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, obey those Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching truth. (laughs) Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Be unprofitable for you. Yeah. Now, we, we all will shout, I'm sure, knowing that Heather and I will give an account for how we pastor you. We'll, we'll get excited about that. Oh, yeah, pastor, you're going to give an account to the Lord. You're going you're gonna to give, give an account for how you pastor those sheep that God gave you. But you also will give an account yeah. as to whether or not you allowed your leaders to lead with joy. You know, think about this for a second. I shared a little bit about this on Wednesday night, but, but what, is, what is the pastor's role? What does scripture say about the pastor? That he is the shepherd of the church. He's the under-shepherd, Christ being the head shepherd, but the pastor is the shepherd. What makes a shepherd do his job with joy? What makes a shepherd do his job with joy? Well, one, I would say that the sheep are healthy, that they're, that they're at peace, they're not fighting with one another, they're, they're healthy sheep. You know, we don't want sheep that are sickly, we want healthy sheep, right? So a pastor is, is joyful when the sheep are nourished and they're being taken care of. But I think more than that, that the shepherd is happy when the sheep are present and accounted for and at peace. Amen? That means every little sheep would do in this church has their place in the flock of God. 
Every little sheep do has their place in the house of the Lord. And for us to be joyful shepherds, sheep herders, that every sheep is present and accounted for and at peace with one another. Amen. And I know everybody here is shouting amen, hallelujah, because you're here. But let them do so, let them rule with joy. You know, I've shared this illustration before, but, but if it's raining outside, what happens? You put up your umbrella, and the rain, what happens? It, it comes, it falls off the umbrella, and you don't get wet. What happens when you take that umbrella away? You get wet. Now, some of you like the idea of getting wet in the rain. You know, you'd sing in the rain, dance in the rain, that's fine. But, but for the purpose of today's illustration, if you have an umbrella and you put it up, you stay dry. You get rid of the umbrella. You get wet. Spiritual leadership is like that umbrella. When you come under spiritual leadership, you come under the safety and the protection that God's placed you under. When you step outside of that umbrella, guess what? You're going to get wet. And so it's important to recognize the protection that comes from being planted in the house of the Lord. If you sow joy into leaders' lives, what do you get back? You're going to get joy. If you sow grief, what are you going to get back? You're going to get grief. Your submission to God is a direct reflection, or I'm sorry, your submission to leaders is a direct reflection of your submission to God. If, if you have trouble submitting to the spiritual authority that God's placed over your life, you'll have trouble submitting to God who's ruling over your life. In Psalms 23, I love the 23rd Psalm. You know, it's, not, it's more than just a, a ch chapter that we read at someone's death. This is a powerful scripture. Psalms 23 is a great example of the pastor as a shepherd. <laughs> If you go through and you read Psalms 23 and the examples that it gives, and you begin to look at that as the shepherd of the church, we see that the shepherd or the pastor is one who encourages me to rest in God. The shepherd or the pastor is someone who brings me to a place where I can drink of living water. He or she encourages me to walk in restoration. They're an example of walking in righteousness. They bring comfort. They bring guidance. They bring correction. They prepare a gospel feast in the wilderness. They lavishly pour out the anointing. And the result, we said it earlier, they find goodness. You find goodness and mercy everywhere you go. Yeah. Everywhere you go, the result, you turn. You see goodness and mercy following you. Everywhere you go, you see goodness and mercy. And you're planted in the house of the Lord. P, there's protection that comes when we're planted in the house of the Lord. L is love. There's love in the house of God. We operate in a place of unity. Psalms 133 is a house of love. How good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Unity comes about not haphazardly. It is intentional to walk in unity. It's intentional to walk in unity. It's intentional when someone hurts you or wrongs you, even in the church. It's intentional to walk in unity and say, I am not going to allow that offense, I'm not going to allow that hurt to keep me from operating in a place of unity. I am going to go to that brother or sister and we're going to walk in forgiveness. Matter of fact, one of the components of walking in unity is walking in forgiveness. You have to learn to walk together how can two walk together lest they be agreed? How can you be agreed if you walk in bitterness? Yeah. So you have to forgive. You have to walk in mercy. 
be willing to lay aside the, this idea that everybody's going to be perfect and treat you perfectly. That everybody, even the pastor, everybody's going to treat me perfect. Everybody's going to live up to my standards and my expectations. How long have you been married? Tell me how that goes. How long have you dealt with people? The, the reality is, is not everybody's going to live up to your expectations. Matter of fact, nobody is going to live up to your expectations. And so it's walking in mercy. Understanding that we, we operate in a place of mercy. Blessed are those who are, who are merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. So we walk in mercy with one another. We forbear is another word, Bible word for that. We forbear with one another. We, we have endurance. We long suffer through each other's inadequacies and quirks and nuances. We just don't give up and quit because somebody said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing. Well, I don't like, I don't like that house, that, that church, because so-and-so said this or did this. No, we walk in mercy with one another. And then there's hope. The other component of walking in unity is hope, that we have an expectation of things to come. It's real easy when we have an expectation of things to come, we can see the future. When we can begin to see what God's called us to and what he has spoken over our lives, it's much easier to lay aside those indifferences and pursue the Christ together. That our, that our goal, our, our common goal is not the indifferences that are in our backgrounds or our education or our social economic, whatever. We lay aside the differences and we come together as the body of Christ and pursue Christ together. Amen. So we operate in a place of love. You know, love is different than tolerance. And in the, in the worldly definition of love has been, become so skewed. But for us as believers, it's not ignoring another person's fault. It's loving the person who's saying they have a fault. And I believe that together we're going to change. It's not allowing maybe the sin or the indifference or the issues to continue. But it's facing it with love, speaking the truth in love, and, and being sharpened together. I know this is real popular message. I know, I know we all want to just hear, yeah, pastor, let's just all, you know, we're, we're going to come together, we're going to check the box and go home. But if we're disciples, if we're really disciples of Christ, does anybody hear what I'm saying? If we're really disciples of Christ, then when we come together and we do life together, then that means we have to. Lay aside those problems, those indifferences, those issues, and walk together in a place of unity. Yeah. Pursuing of Christ. Pursuit of Christ. You know, maybe you're here today and, and the pursuit of Christ is not your number one priority. You know, there's a lot of reasons why people come to church. There's a lot of reasons why people come to church. Maybe someone invited you today. Maybe you just wanted to check us out. Maybe you're coming a long time attender and you just come because it's the, the quote, right thing to do. But I want to ask you, our, our purpose as a body, our purpose as Celebration Church is pursuit of Christ. Yeah. And so I want to encourage you, if you're lacking in that area, maybe you're just doing the right thing or, or, and you go home and you live like the devil Sunday afternoon through Saturday evening and you get up Sunday morning and let me encourage you pursue Christ yes. lay aside your carnality be born again and, and pursue Christ be changed be transformed a PLA activation 
when you're planted in the house of the Lord, there's activation that happens. You know, I realize in today's, in today's generation of church, many people go to church and, they, and the response is, well, I don't want to, I want to just blend in. I don't want to engage. I don't want to activate. And, and there are sometimes there are seasons for that, but, but very few people have I ever seen recover from disengaging. It's, it's very, very few times have I ever seen anyone recover from disengaging because really what is happening is you're saying, my value is not placed on the house of the Lord, it's placed on me. And so you, you, begin, to, you begin to lick your wounds. It's getting quiet up in here this morning. You begin to lick your wounds, you, you move into a place of pity, you become distracted by life's affairs. And so I want to encourage you, be, be aware of disengagement. The first sign of disengagement, I see it all the time, the first sign of disengagement, it begins with the tithe and the offerings. And you say, Pastor, you're talking about tithes and offerings again, because where your, Mike said it this morning, where your heart is, you'll find your, where your treasure, there you'll find your heart. What you value, you put money. And I, I see it all the time, when people... Disengage, number one, with their money. Soon after, they're disengaging with their activity, their resources, their talents. And so it's important for us to engage with all that we are in the house of the Lord. Be fully planted. Not just one root, but fully planted. Have both feet. You know, someone, I, I, someone said that one time, and I, I had to chuckle at the concept, but they said, I, I haven't drank the Kool-Aid yet. And I don't, I don't know, I don't quite understand what that means. I know, um, don't, we're not, you know, some occult. I don't quite understand the drink the Kool-Aid phrase. But what, I, but what I do understand is you need to be planted in the house of the Lord. Does that mean that you've not bought in or, you know, whatever that means? I don't know. But, but be planted in the house of the Lord. Be planted where he's placed you. Allow your roots to go down deep and activate into ministry. Some of the reasons that we don't activate is because of fear of the unknown. Well, I've never done that before. I don't know what that looks like. We don't activate. We don't engage because it's unknown. We've never been there. We've never done that. Fear of success. What happens if I actually enjoy this? (laughs) Right? I might engage. I might activate. But I might actually enjoy this. And that means that I have to give up you know, two hours of my week and reprioritize my life. I won't stay. I'm not going to dwell there. Another reason that we don't activate is because of rejection and hurt. I've been hurt before. I did that before and I got hurt. Launch out. You know, I remember, let me encourage you with Jesus' words. They were, the disciples were out fishing and had caught nothing all night. <coughs> Say hurt. That wasn't everybody. Say hurt. hurt. Been doing the same thing with no results or people criticize your results, hurt, offense. They'd been doing the same thing, same thing, same thing, nothing happening. And Jesus said, cast out your nets on the other side of the boat. You're doing the right thing the wrong place. So don't, don't, don't think that 
you know, well, I served in children's ministry and it just wasn't fruitful. It didn't work, didn't happen, blah, 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 blah. You're doing the right thing, maybe the wrong place. It doesn't mean disengage. It doesn't mean allow the fear of hurt and rejection, whatever's happened, happen to, to keep you and hold you back. Engage, activate. Sometimes we don't activate because there's unknown or dormant gifts. We don't know what gifts we have. I don't know where to begin. I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know what I enjoy. Begin to find some place. Begin to serve somewhere. Talk to somebody. Talk to a pastor. Find, find out what you enjoy. Sometimes we have wrong perceptions that keep us from engaging and activating. Well, someone else will do it. Ever heard that before? Well, that, that's not my job. <laughs> that's not my job. That's the pastor's job. We have a rule uh, on staff. And everyone who's on staff and on our core team know this. You don't ever say those words, that's not my job. It's a great way to get fired. Because that's, that's not the right attitude. That's the wrong perception. It, you know, if pastor can go clean the toilets, guess what you can do? <laughs> we are serving. We're engaging. We're activating and ministering. Or, well, maybe I've served, I've served my time. I've, I've done that. You know, I've already served my time in that. Someone, it's someone else's turn. Well, if you've served your time, then that's a great opportunity to teach someone else to do it also. Does it, it doesn't mean that you disengage or stop. It means that you begin to teach others also. It's discipleship. Where are you activating in the house of the Lord? If you have gifts and talents and resources where you're not activated, there's ministry that's not activated in the house of God. If you're not engaged, it's not happening. I'll say that again. Check, mic check. If you're not engaged, it's not happening. So if there's an area of your life where you've yet to engage, I want to challenge you, activate. Okay, moving on. P-L-A, in, we navigate life together. We navigate life's challenges together. We navigate spirituality together. As you look through the New Testament church, it's interesting. You know, these New Testament writers, the Pauline epistles, Peter, John, the things that they're addressing, you know, what to happen in times of, what to do in times of persecution. They're facing, remember Nero? Everybody remember who Nero is? Here's, here's Nero who is uh, literally impaling Christians and lighting them on fire, using them as garden party torches. This guy was an extreme hater of Christians, you know, burning, burning Rome and blaming it on the Christians just so that he could kill Christians and, and persecute Christians. These, these are the times in which Paul, Peter, John are writing and, and telling us not to what? Shipwreck our faith. How many times do, do we see Paul's admonishments? In his Pauline epistles and, and Peter and his, and his epistles and John and his epistles. How many times do we hear and see, don't leave the faith, don't shipwreck your faith. Yeah. How do you shipwreck your faith? You become an isolated ship that's not navigating together with the rest of, of what God is doing. You become isolated, trying to go your own path, doing your own thing, going your own way, following your own charted course and not navigating life together with one another. God's placed you in a house to navigate and do life together. 
to chart the course together, to be aware of, of, of the hazards that are along the journey together, to be aware of, of the direction that we're moving and we're moving the same way together, navigating together. Have you ever been at, at the ocean and seen in, in the ocean a school of fish? It's so interesting how they, you can have hundreds of fish all moving in tandem, all going the same direction, all navigating the same waters, the same current together in perfect tandem and perfect unity together. That's a great picture of the church, that, that we become like little schools of fish that flow and move together, that, that someone's not off doing their own thing. We're all in unison. We're all in harmony. We're all navigating the waters together, enjoying life together. Tea, the planting, the planted, the planted people, the tea, the teaching, teaching. The house of the Lord is a place of teaching. It's not teaching your pet doctrine. It's teaching the doctrines of the word. Teaching scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. Inspiration of God is... God breathed, the Holy Spirit spoke the word, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. In righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What is the role of the pastor? We see this in Ephesians chapter 4, the fivefold ministry, and he himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So the, the leadership, the fivefold the ministry leadership here is to equip the saints, to teach and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So that goes back to navigating, goes back to activating, that everybody is activated. Everybody's doing their part in the work of the ministry, being equipped, being taught by the leadership. Amen. E. You said it. We edify. We're building up. We're building one another up. We're edifying one another. You know, we've had this, I feel like this word has come up many times this week, the word edification. Have you, how many of you have ever been in a, in a multi-level marketing situation? And, and in those, I know there's a lot of folks probably that have, have or at least familiar, or if you go to those business meetings or whatever, one of the things that they do is you've got to, you have your upline, and the, the downline, the person who's inviting you, edifies their upline. They talk about who the person is that's sharing. They may be an absolute moron about whatever it is in life or whatever, but they're going to talk to you like they're an expert, and the person who's brought you to that party is telling you that they're the expert. So you, as the guest, are believing what? They're the expert. Because they've edified one another. You know, and that's a worldly concept of edification. But I, I want you to look around you, and as we begin to edify and build one another up, you may be sitting by an absolute moron, and chances are you probably, probably are. I'm not talking about your spouse. But the reality is we, don't, we, we have issues, right? We don't have it all together. We don't know all the answers. We're not, we've, not, we're, we've not been made perfect, but we edify one another, we build each other up, we encourage one another in the Lord. 
Jude, I love what Jude 120 says, that we edify ourselves, we build ourselves up by what? By praying in the Spirit. We keep ourselves in the love of God by praying in the Holy Spirit. Edifications, building yourself up, building one another up, praying over each other, praying for one another, encouraging one another. Ephesians 2.22 says, In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are being edified. There is an edifice, a building, a structure that is being made in this house. We are more than just individuals with unique backgrounds and, and, and demographics. We are being built together as a house, a dwelling place for the Lord. We're edifying one another, and the more that we do that, the more that we are coming together and being built together as a house for the Lord. Now, what's the opposite of this? If you, if you go and you begin to tear someone down and de-edify them, you're destroying the building instead of building it up. When you speak evil or gossip or destroy, what you're doing is you're tearing down instead of lifting up. And so it's important for us to edify and to encourage one another and to be built up into a dwelling place of the Lord. And then D, P-L-A-N-T-E-D, dynamic. The house of God, the planting of the Lord is not static. This isn't a one-time deal. You, you root, you plant, and it's done. The house of God, the planting of the Lord is dynamic. It's always growing, always changing, always producing fruit, always teaching others also. You know, it's one of the things that never, I, I, never ceases to amaze me in ministry is the constant need to train others also. You know, right, if you're, if you're a leader in the room and you, you're responsible for other leaders, you'll understand this. You've probably lived this. Just when you think you've got everyone on your team trained, God raises up the next person and you've got to train the next person. It's discipleship. It never stops. This applies in the business world too. You know, as soon as you get, you know, you figure out your team, you figure out your surroundings in the business world, what happens? Change begins to happen. We're never static. We're always growing. At least a healthy church is always growing, always changing. It's dynamic. And so we have to continue to teach and train and disciple others also. The minute that you sit back and say, wow, we've arrived, is the minute that you start to die. That spiritual death begins to creep in on you. And so I want to ask you, are you changing? Are you being transformed? The Bible talks about being changed. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're being transformed. We're being changed from glory to glory. We're being metamorphosized from glory to glory. Just like that butterfly, that little worm goes in the cocoon and comes out a butterfly. We're being changed. We're being metamorphosized. You know this, I love this verse. Can you put 2 Corinthians 3.18 back up? I love this. It says, we are with, with unveiled face are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're, we're looking into a mirror with unveiled face, seeing the glory of the Lord. When you begin to look into the mirror, the word of God is our mirror. You begin to behold him in the mirror with unveiled face, we see his glory. When you're looking in this mirror and all you see is yourself, that's called pride. Pride. 
That's called veiled face. When you, when you look and it's all about me, all about me, all about me, all about me, everything you do, all about me. It's all about you. My job, my home. Well, pastor, I can't do that because, you know, I've got this and this and this. Well, pastor, I really can't commit to church because I got this, this, and this. And pastor, I, I just don't like worship because I don't like the style. Or pastor, I don't want to give because I've got bills to pay. Or pastor... Right? All of those kinds of things. What we're doing is we're looking into the mirror. We're beholding the word of the Lord. We're, we're, we're looking into the mirror when God talks to us about worship. He talks to us about all these things. And, and our response becomes a response of pride, a veil. There's a veil that we're looking through. Instead of, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, with unveiled face, we begin to see the glory of the Lord. We see his glory. We see his beauty. We see the beauty of, of activating in the church. We see the beauty of being planted in the church. We see the, the glory of the Lord in his house. We see the glory of God and the people around us. We see the glory on, on, on the gifts and the talents that God has dispersed to his people. We see his glory in how we give. We see his glory in every component of what we do as a church body together. Because why? We're, we're gazing into the mirror. We're looking into the mirror. If you're, if you're not looking, you know, the, the other reality is you're not looking in the mirror. And, and all you see the church as is an organization that you're a part of. You know, the, the, that's, that's a reality. You know, you can you cannot really see the glory of God in his church because it's just a it's just a country club, it's just a gathering, it's just whatever, you know, that you do to take up time. But when but when you behold Jesus. The glory of the when you begin to see him on this book. When when I see Jesus and, and, and I, I see him in the in the mirror and I begin to look around at, at the people who are sitting next to me. I, I look around and I, I see him in the people who are serving in children's ministry. I look around and I see him in the in the people in the media in the sound and I and I look around and I see him in the people in the pews. I see the glory of the Lord on people. I see the, the, the fingerprints of God, the, the tangible glory as, as he's touched them and changing them and transforming them from image to image, from glory to glory, from place to place. But you got to be in the mirror. you got to have a look into the mirror. Philippians 3.12 says, Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already made perfect, is anybody perfect? <laughs> I'd like to meet you after service. I'd like, to, I'd like to know how you accomplish that. But I press on. You can make a lot of money. <laughs> but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. I, I, I press on. I forget what's behind. I lay aside the past. I lay aside the past, and I, and I take a look in the mirror. You can't look in the mirror if you're constantly looking over your shoulder. You can't gaze into the mirror. You know, the other thing we try to do is like, can I get the, can I see what's back there? I know, I know, I know God says that's under, under the blood, that's in the sea of forgetfulness, but let me, let me see. Can I see that? You know, the great thing about the mirror of God is you can't see back there. You can't see all of that back there when you start beholding in the mirror. 
one of those trick mirrors. It won't let you see your past. I lay it aside, planted in the house of the Lord. I'm pressing on. I want to apprehend. I've been apprehended, and I want to apprehend. I've been apprehended by Christ. He's taken hold of me. He's grabbed hold of me. He's changing me, and I want to apprehend him. I want to take hold of him and, and continue to be transformed. Planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. How about you today? You know, it's easy on a Sunday morning to say, well, I'm, I'm planted because I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm here. But it's more than attendance. Attendance is part of it, but, but it's more than that. Is your, is your heart in the house of God? Are you in love with his house? Or have you fallen in love with his church, his bride? Have you fallen in love with the, even with its imperfections? Do you still love the house of God? Even with, even with the people who are sitting next to you, who have imperfections, do you love the house of the Lord? Do you see his beauty in his temple? Can you, as David said, one thing I've desired to dwell in the house of the Lord? I want to see him. I want to inquire him. I want to behold his beauty in the house of God. Do you see the glory of the Lord on the people around you? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.